welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Yay! Blessed evening, lovelies. It's your girl, Wynn Ruffin. And tonight, I want to say thank you to each and every one of you who listen to the podcast or visit the site at WynnRuffin.com. I want y'all to know that it is greatly appreciated and your efforts do not go unnoticed in the heavens. Amen. I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for yourselves and everyone else. And as difficult as that may be for many, y'all know how human selves can be at times. Remember, there is the power of the living God dwelling within all of us. So whatever we may be feeling, we are never without those higher qualities always enough for ourselves and to share with everyone else. But even on the days when we may not be feeling it, for whatever reasons, we shouldn't allow those negative feelings in our hearts and minds to linger. Instead, we should turn our attention to our I Am Presence within and call forth the divine power of love and light to dominate our feelings. Then, immediately, without even realizing it, we begin again to radiate those higher qualities back into the atmosphere, reaching everyone everywhere with our divine spark of light, our loving light and energy. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and light, and y'all be loved. The music of the spheres. The most sublime but least known of all the Pythagorean speculations was that of sidereal harmonics. It was said that of all men only Pythagoras heard the music of the spheres. Apparently the Chaldeans were the first people to conceive of the heavenly bodies joining in a cosmic chant as they moved in stately manner across the sky. Job describes a time when the stars of the morning sang together, and in The Merchant of Venice the author of the Shakespearean plays writes, there's not the smallest orb which thou beholdst but in his motion like an angel sings. So little remains, however, of the Pythagorean system of celestial music that it is only possible to approximate his actual theory. Pythagoras conceived the universe to be an immense monochord, with its single string connected at its upper end to absolute spirit and at its lower end to absolute matter in other words, a cord stretched between heaven and earth. Counting inward from the circumference of the heavens, Pythagoras, according to some authorities, divided the universe into nine parts, according to others, into twelve parts. The twelve-fold system was as follows, the first division was called the Empyrean, or the sphere of the fixed stars, and was the dwelling place of the immortals. The second to twelfth divisions were, in order, the spheres of Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, the Sun, Venus, Mercury, and the Moon, and fire, air, water, and earth. This arrangement of the seven planets, the sun and moon being regarded as planets in the old astronomy, is identical with the candlestick symbolism of the Jews the sun in the center is the main stem with three planets on either side of it. The names given by the Pythagoreans to the various notes of the diatonic scale were, according to Macrobius, derived from an estimation of the velocity and magnitude of the planetary bodies. 
Each of these gigantic spheres as it rushed endlessly through space was believed to sound a certain tone caused by its continuous displacement of the ethereal diffusion. As these tones were a manifestation of divine order and motion, it must necessarily follow that they partook of the harmony of their own source. The assertion that the planets in their revolutions round the Earth uttered certain sounds differing according to their respective magnitude, celerity and local distance, was commonly made by the Greeks. Thus Saturn, the farthest planet, was said to give the gravest note, while the Moon, which is the nearest, gave the sharpest. These sounds of the seven planets, and the sphere of the fixed stars, together with that above us, Antiphon, are the nine muses, and their joint symphony is called Mnemosyne. This quotation contains an obscure reference to the ninefold division of the universe previously mentioned. The Greek initiates also recognized a fundamental relationship between the individual heavens or spheres of the seven planets, and the seven sacred vowels. The first heaven uttered the sound of the sacred vowel Alpha, Alpha, the second heaven, the sacred vowel Epsilon, Epsilon, the third, Eta, Eta, the fourth, Iota, Iota, the fifth, Omicron, Omicron, the sixth, Upsilon, Upsilon, and the seventh heaven, the sacred vowel Om, Omega. When these seven heavens sing together they produce a perfect harmony which ascends as an everlasting praise to the throne of the Creator. Although not so stated, it is probable that the planetary heavens are to be considered as ascending in the Pythagorean order, beginning with the sphere of the moon, which would be the first heaven. Many early instruments had seven strings, and it is generally conceded that Pythagoras was the one who added the eighth string to the lyre of Terpander. The seven strings were always related both to their correspondences in the human body and to the planets. The names of God were also conceived to be formed from combinations of the seven planetary harmonies. The Egyptians confined their sacred songs to the seven primary sounds, forbidding any others to be uttered in their temples. One of their hymns contained the following invocation, the seven sounding tones praise thee, the great God, the ceaseless working father of the whole universe. In another the deity describes himself thus, I am the great indestructible lyre of the whole world, attuning the songs of the heavens. The Pythagoreans believed that everything which existed had a voice and that all creatures were eternally singing the praise of the Creator. Man fails to hear these divine melodies because his soul is enmeshed in the illusion of material existence. When he liberates himself from the bondage of the lower world with its sense limitations, the music of the spheres will again be audible as it was in the Golden Age. Harmony recognizes harmony, and when the human soul regains its true estate it will not only hear the celestial choir but also join with it in an everlasting anthem of praise to that eternal good controlling the infinite number of parts and conditions of being. The Pythagorean Theory of Music and Color Isis Unveil Chapter 13 The 19th century seems positively doomed to humiliating confessions. Feltre, Italy, erects a public statue to Ponfilo Castaldi, the illustrious inventor of movable printing types, and adds in its inscription the generous confession that Italy renders to him this tribute of honor too long deferred. But no sooner is the statue placed, than the Fetrians are advised by Colonel Yule to burn it in honest lime. He proves that many a traveler besides Marco Polo had brought home from China movable wooden types and specimens of Chinese books, the entire text of which was printed with such wooden blocks. We have seen in several Tibetan lamaseries, where they have printing offices, such blocks preserved as curiosities. 
they are known to be of the greatest antiquity, inasmuch as types were perfected, and the old ones abandoned contemporaneously with the earliest records of Buddhistic Lamaism. Therefore, they must have existed in China before the Christian era. Let everyone ponder over the wise words of Professor Roscoe, in his lecture on spectrum analysis. The infant truths must be made useful. Neither you nor I, perhaps, can see the how or the when, but that the time may come at any moment, when the most obscure of nature's secrets shall at once be employed for the benefit of mankind, no one who knows anything of science, can for one instant doubt. Who could have foretold that the discovery that a dead frog's legs jump when they are touched by two different metals, should have led in a few short years to the discovery of the electric telegraph? Professor Roscoe, visiting Kirchhoff and Bunsen when they were making their great discoveries of the nature of the Fraunhofer lines, says that it flashed upon his mind at once that there is iron in the sun, therein presenting one more evidence to add to a million predecessors, that great discoveries usually come with a flash, and not by induction. There are many more flashes in store for us. H.P. Blavatsky It may be found, perhaps, that one of the last sparkles of modern science, the beautiful green spectrum of silver, is nothing new, but was, notwithstanding the paucity and great inferiority of their optical instruments, well known to the ancient chemists and physicists. Silver and green were associated together as far back as the days of Hermes. Luna, or Astarte, the hermetic silver, is one of the two chief symbols of the Rosicrucians. It is a hermetic axiom, that the cause of the splendor and variety of colors lies deep in the affinities of nature, and that there is a singular and mysterious alliance between color and sound. The Kabbalists place their middle nature in direct relation with the moon, and the green ray occupies the center point between the others, being placed in the middle of the spectrum. The Egyptian priests chanted the seven vowels as a hymn addressed to Serapis, and at the sound of the seventh vowel, as the seventh ray of the rising sun, the statue of Memnon responded. Recent discoveries have proved the wonderful properties of the blue-violet light, the seventh ray of the prismatic spectrum, the most powerfully chemical of all, which corresponds with the highest note in the musical scale. The Rosicrucian theory, that the whole universe is a musical instrument, is the Pythagorean doctrine of the music of the spheres. Sounds and colors are all spiritual numerals, as the seven prismatic rays proceed from one spot in heaven, so the seven powers of nature, each of them a number, are the seven radiations of the unity, the central, spiritual sun. Happy is he who comprehends the spiritual numerals, and perceives their mighty influence, exclaims Plato. And happy, we may add, is he who, treading the maze of force correlations, does not neglect to trace them to the invisible sun. Future experimenters will reap the honor of demonstrating that musical tones have a wonderful effect upon the growth of vegetation. And with the enunciation of this unscientific fallacy, we will close the chapter, and proceed to remind the patient reader of certain things that the ancients knew, and the moderns think they know. H.P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 14 Now, I want to give you a secret today, that if you will master the outer self when it wants to be in turmoil, or turmoil is around you, if you will get in the habit of saying to everything in your emotional world, in the name of the mighty I Am Presence and the Elohim of Peace, I command you, peace, be still. Say it with positive force and then relax and begin to feel that stillness, because I assure you, 
the continual turmoil and vibratory action of the emotional body is just like the ceaseless swinging of the waves on the ocean. There is a constant surge everywhere in the waters of the planet. Your emotional bodies are made up of the water element. Therefore, whatever disturbs the waters of the planet will, to some degree, be felt by you, unless you command your emotional body to feel otherwise. If you will do this, sometimes when you have a desire to talk, where there is argument or turmoil, if you can command the outer self to be still until you can feel the power of our peace and love inside of you that holds control, then whatever it is necessary to say, you will say with power, with self-control, and you will find it effective, and you will find it makes you victorious. If you do not do that and you speak under sudden excitement, you have no idea, sometimes, what rushes in and you have to handle weeks later. If you will prevent this, you just say, peace be still, until you feel that peace from your presence, and the love and peace from our octave, as a rule it's scarcely one full minute till you will be so grateful that you did not speak, that you will begin to feel what the power of the silence is to control the turmoil in the feeling world of yourselves or those about you. Now for your own enjoyment, I would like to try this experiment, when you want to feel and be absolutely certain that it is my love and my peace of the sacred fire coming into you and around you, you can say to your mighty I in presence and to me, thrill me with your peace. Thrill me with your peace. Thrill me with your peace, and hold control forever. I will project under those conditions a certain intensity of electronic force from our octave of life, and a certain action of the sacred fire from the temple of peace. As you become aware of this and feel it several times, many times when you are moving among conditions of the outer world and you least expect it, even when you're not thinking of peace nor of us, that thrill will come in and around you, and that will be our electronic force filling and surrounding you, giving you protection and holding the peace around you for your victorious accomplishment. We want you to train yourselves to feel us, and not the turmoil of the outer world, and that should be a very practical experience for you. Applause. Thank you so much. Beloved Elohim of Peace. Now, I have another very important reason for helping you to quiet the outer and feel us at any moment in the midst of any condition. In the first place, as you set this habit, it will be very much easier for us to direct you in the midst of outer conditions which might be in turmoil. But more than that, if you demand that the power, the sacred fire of our love and peace comes into you, abides within, dwells within, and becomes you, that means part of your life stream, there will come a tremendous and majesty within you that will help you to master every condition you contact in the outer world. It will be the calm, poised, humble control of power that will go forth into conditions, prepare the way ahead of you, and make you successful always. This will have a tremendous benefit upon your health, and more than that, it becomes the magnet to draw you by the very peace which you hold within, it will draw to you the blessings of the outer world which your higher mental body wants to reach out and bring into your outer use to fulfill its great divine plan. This will affect your health. It will affect your finance. It will affect your business opportunity. It will affect everything you do in the outer life. There is no greater power of love and blessing that you can bestow by your radiation than the love of our peace, as its sacred fire presence enters into you and establishes in you and through and around you, the eternal flame that comes from the seven mighty Elohim of creation. This will enable many many blessings to come to you and within you when that sacred fire from our octave flows in and around you and you love it, and recognize it, and know it has come within and around you to be part of your life stream, and you become our peace to life wherever you abide. These magnificent blessings and powers of life and its perfection are awaiting your use everywhere. We are the custodians. We are the givers of this magnificent sacred fire to every life stream.
Therefore, if you want the intensification of any special quality or activity and you turn to your beloved I am presence and to us, I assure you the cosmic law is ready to pour the sacred fire's love of any quality into you the moment you ask, because you cannot ask for more light or more love or more peace of the sacred fire, without the cosmic law answering you instantly at your call, for such is the cosmic law. No matter what the experiences of the past have been, the moment you want more light, more love, and more peace of the sacred fire to come and dwell within you, the great law of life is such that it is given instantly into your outer use and direction. If you care to establish this habit, we will do everything to keep you close to us, and to keep you enfolded in these activities of the sacred fire that, I assure you, are all love, all light, and all peace. Now, what could you ever have from that, that would ever give you anything of distress? Beloved Elohim of Peace, 